0: Today is February 13th, 2020. Welcome to Neuroscientist Talk Shop, the University of Texas at San Antonio's neurobiology podcast. I'm your host, Salma Qureshi. Our guest today is Savio Chan. Hi, Savio. Hi. Savio is an assistant professor in the Department of Physiology at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern. His lab is establishing the foundational principles of cellular diversity and circuit connectivity of the basal ganglia, specifically the external globus pallidus oh, sorry. Uh, in recent years. He uses a variety of state-of-the-art viral anatomical and optical in vivo tools intermixed with gold standard classics like EM and slice physiology to understand the cellular and circuit substrates of motor function and how they shift in disease models like Parkinson's. So around the room we have Todd Troyer. Hello. We have Charlie Wilson. Hi. We have a graduate student, PhD student, who's almost out of here, Juan Morales. Hi, Juan. And me, I'm your host, Salma Karashi. So, Savia, early black box models of the basal ganglia, external globus pallidus, was treated as a homogeneous relay, and of course, now your work, especially, is defining the cellular complexity of this nucleus and its connectivity as it relates to functional output. I want to ask you just broadly, I think this is going to be a very specialist discussion, and for the sake of our audience, let's start out by just having you take us through some of the broadest organizational principles that have emerged from your work uh, in terms of the major types of cell classes that you've defined and some of the basic input-output that's perhaps been a surprise relative to early understanding.
1: Oh, that's actually a hard question. (laughs) I, I, I I don't know. Um...
0: Well, tell us about your your, your approach to uh, sure. to try, so origins versus markers versus so all the sort of tools in your kit.
1: So we, we try to be broad and instead of having a, a narrow agenda, thinking uh, we we only believe in in one principle. We just try to be as objective as possible. We dig through the literature and and uh, not just classic liter- literature related to the basal ganglia, but also uh, literature related to uh, uh, brain development, for example, like the work from Joe and Oscar they actually had done a lot of work in describing how the, for example, the striatum and the globus pallidus actually develop from from different, uh, different mental origins. So that's kind of our starting point. So instead of looking at uh, maybe only select groups um, in in the field, um, we, we we took the information from. Uh, John Rubenstein and Oscarin, and, and try to uh, use uh, maybe new uh, cell markers and see if we can apply uh, those information to uh, answer the cell complexity within the GPE. So
2: can I can yes. I interrupt you for a second? Uh-huh. That sounds like what you're saying is that you're you start by using embryological origin, right, to define mm-hmm. cell types, and and these days that doesn't mean dissecting embryos; it means looking at transcription factors that govern embryological origin. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, but but we didn't really just uh, generate a new information um, from nothing. It's all based on John's work and, and Oscar's work. And I was talking to John a, a lot at the beginning of the, of the project and he, he was extremely generous with his time and he actually shared some of the, the antibodies with us, some of the reagents, and the Empath one knockout is another example too. So does that get you far enough?
3: Like, uh, I mean, do you start there and then boom, you see, you try it and you see a gazillion things and okay. then you're you're off and running, or do you have to like make a leap of a guess?
1: Well, th- we have to guess based on the work and say like, what well, seems like empath one could be a, a, a useful marker, right? Right. So we try to make a mouse, right? It's not. What we had done before is totally new to us. So was like, okay, uh, we have a core and we know people who can actually help us. So let's see if, if this will work. And uh, we waited for a couple of months from the core, and then we have we have pups, and there were four founder lines, and we took a long time to get get new pups from them. Right, we have to like cross them, and and to our surprise, we actually found maybe two lines were usable. One didn't really grow. One didn't really breed. <clears throat> and uh, we, we used PD antibodies that everyone had used and found that just like what uh, John and Oscar uh, reported, they don't seem to overlap. So uh, I think that's kind of uh, something, I, th- I think, really huge for us because it gave us uh, a, a good handle, a new handle at least, to dissect the GPE.
2: So, so there's some kind of a key stroke there, because there are lots of transcription factors, Mm -hmm. and lots of things are known about the development of these neurons Uh on the medial ganglionic eminence, Uh and it's a zoo of transcription factors, and some of them don't actually lead you to unique cell types, and Uh some of them do. So how do you find your way through that uh, zoo of transcription factors to the ones that are really definitive for cell types?
1: Well, again, it's really just based on the excellent work that John and Oscar did. Um, but of course, there are other transcription factors and also uh, driver lines, right? So we didn't really get a chance to just dig through the literature to, and, and to dig through all the tools and import all the minds uh, until maybe more recently. We right, probably put there are more cre lines and Flip lines available, so, and reporter lines. so we just started looking at them maybe, like, in the past two, two years. And that led us to... Uh, that, that gave us a, the, the last paper, essentially, which is kind of revisiting uh, the tools available to us. So, again, it's kind of confirming what we had uh, said earlier. We we have new tools and we have new people uh, kind of re-examining the same problem and we came up with the same conclusions again. And, and I think one person who has been... Uh, instrumental to our research is actually uh, Raj Tamani, Uh and no question, he's actually in neurology, uh, not in physiology, but he's actually uh, a floor below me, so we actually we actually talk a lot, we, we collaborate on a few different projects, and just from talking to him and having access to his line and ideas, and they gave us some something new, like Soxic is a new molecule that we have looked at, and we haven't published on the mouse yet, but it's something that we are looking at now, so hopefully we can actually find uh, new cell types, and then we can actually assign function to uh, the individual yeah. subtype. That's kind of our next step.
0: So, how, how do you know when to stop in this sort of lumping versus splitting? Uh, yeah. Right? You you sort, you can define so there are these two categories, and you can tell me which. So, the PV is the kind of standard
1: PV right. positive,
0: uh-huh. yeah. and then the N pass, right. and the relative distributions are like 50, 60 percent for the PV and and what's the N-PASS, sorry? End pass
1: is 30%. Oh, so Yeah, so, so, the, so. Uh, our, our numbers kind of uh, align pretty well with uh, Pete McGills uh, from Oxford. And mm-hmm. is there an excellent question. We don't know when to stop. And actually, Jim Summer asked me the same question. So I, I've always been a lumper, right? Well, probably because I, I think I was realistic about... Uh, Which is was surprising
2: the, that you're alone. long uh, yeah. well, You've been going around splitting things. Yeah. Well, I
1: know, I know, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I was being realistic early on saying like, well, there, there weren't any tools uh, available or reliable enough for us to say, there are multiple subgroups, right? But now it seems like there are good ways and there are um, data out there. For example, like there are job uh, seek data, single cell uh, RNA-seq data out there saying uh, certain things that actually line up with our data.
0: Um, so is it just as simple as saying, well, do, are, are these projections diverging? Are they getting different inputs? Is this, if the cells fire differently, are we, are we going to keep trying to subdivide them? I mean, what are the... Because all of this is about ultimately function and about right. uh-huh. yeah. so, disease at some level.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think you, you, you made the perfect point. Um, it, it really a, uh, uh, depends on whether we get assigned a function. And also, if we don't have the tools, then there's not really a point to just keep splitting. So we, we, we have subtypes of cells, but we don't know whether we can call them uh, true subclasses because we cannot assign function yet. So uh, I think uh, we, we have to do probably two things in parallel. One is to uh, examine further the tools we have to see if we can actually see uh, distinctions in, in the properties of cells. Just like what you said, intrinsic properties and synthetic properties. At the same time, we are uh, trying to find ways to assess the, uh, the behavioral uh, aspect of mice. So we just started doing viva vivo optogenetics, and we want to do something a little more than that. Right, especially we're just throwing mice into the open field. I don't think that's sufficient.
2: So we we start with a kind of belief mm-hmm. that that every nucleus in the brain has some number k distinct cell types, Mm -hmm. and that all Mm -hmm. the cells of a type are all basically the same, and each type is different from the other. And we got that idea from Ramon and Kohab, and that was a good source of information. So we feel pretty comfortable about it, but there is no guarantee that it's actually going to turn out that way, right? The cells could all be on a sort of continuum, and there could be cells that are half this and half that, and Mm -hmm. three-quarters and one-quarter, and and the different ways that we measure cell types could all actually cut up the cells in different ways so that Mm -hmm. there's no systematic relationship between measure A and measure B cell Mm -hmm. types. And I guess it should have been, it never was, but it should have been a scary possibility for all cellular neuroscientists oh. that it was going to turn out uh-huh. not to be cell types. Oh, so are you, do you feel great about cell types right now? Do you think, yes, it's looking like cell types are the way
0: to go?
1: Uh, uh-huh. I don't think that's the way to go. It also depends on where you're talking about. If you look at the cortex, I think dissecting cell type is, is, a, is a no-go. You can keep dissecting and also like there are way too many cell types. Or even just in the visual cortex, even just within the SOM cells, even just within the PV cells. And there's no genetic access to any of them, so there's no point of keep, keep dissecting. But in the GPI, I think uh, there, there are enough information to say that there are at least two subtypes of MPAS1 cells. And uh, our data are lining up with the job seek data, and uh, I don't know if the genetic lines are good enough to, to let us. Uh, manipulate the two uh, populations yet, but I think they did look promising. Uh, for PVs, they're a little harder. So are there one bank groups? Are there two? Are there three? I, I don't know. Um, that's not my major focus now. We, we, we have to see what's available to us. I'm not just going to bang my head against the wall just because I want to focus on cell tag. I, I want to see what's available to us and Use what we have, or what is
2: available. Okay, then I won't make you bang your head against the cell type.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Okay. Oh well. well anymore, uh-huh. Even though I had a uh-huh. couple of questions about it, because I'll ask just one more question. Sure. about Cell types. So, in among the PV cells, which uh-huh. are the most classic right. set of globus pallidus cells, uh-huh. and the only kind every anybody thought there was a All few right. years ago, that it has <laughs> been known for a long time that cells differ in their projection pattern. So one of these cells will go to GPI and to subthalamic, but not to substantia nigra, and we'll go to substantia nigra and GPI, but not subthalamic, and some and some will go to all three places. And uh, one of the questions for the people who are doing that was, we normally define cell types partly by their connectivity, and these cells are all differently connected. And so are these but subtypes? Or is this like combinatorics within a single subtype? And we still have that question, right? We right. still don't mm-hmm.
1: know yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we, we know enough to, to say. So
2: functionally, you know, they're kind of different. They would be kind of different, I guess, if they, but only if they were carrying different signals. If they were all carrying the same signal and then one of them sent it to these two places and one to that those two places, right. it wouldn't really matter matter
1: functionally, right? Sure. So, uh, if you go back to the single cell tracing, I I think it's always not one or the other, it's always a combination, similar to what what you said. Um, At at least the the stop at the STN and the stop at the SNR should converge to uh, a common output. It should produce the same uh, functional response. Right, so uh, in this sense, we don't care so much, but uh, but we also know there there are cells projected to the nucleus of the thalamus, the nucleus of the thalamus, and some part of the striatum. I, I don't know if those are actually distinct projections. It seems like there are some uh, evidence of uh, distinct uh, cell types in, within PV. Um, it's not actually work from, from, from me, but uh, it's work from my good friend, Bjornko Lem, at UCSD. I, I think he has some handle on uh, the, the PF projecting uh, thalamic neurons. It PV-positive, but they are uh, distinct in, in many ways, and including the uh, cell distribution within the JPE, they seem to be more uh, caudal and ventral, so um, we, we hope to contribute to that in, in the sense that maybe we can actually find a, uh, a driver line that can actually capture a specific subset of those.
2: Subset. So I think a lot of people listening to this might be thinking, like, what is it going to get you? After you've figured out all the different cell types Mm -hmm. and all the different nuclei in all the different places in the basal ganglia, uh, then what? What do we know about the basal ganglia after we've done that?
1: Well, I think without having the handle, we cannot actually know what that will lead us, right? Uh, If we can manipulate a specific set of cells and see a functional response or behavioral uh, effects, and then we can say like, well, there's something that is is consistent with what we all know, or we can say like, well, this is complete brand new. I don't know.
0: This is sort of where looking at pathological states becomes really interesting, right? Because when you've mapped out all that diversity right. mm-hmm. of electrophysiological intrinsic responses sure. and the actual identity of the cells, however we want to choose identity, we can then see how subsets of those may be altered in a pathological yeah, state like yeah. Parkinson's. Uh-huh. So what are the changes that we know about that are happening in Parkinson's, and how do they map on to sort of these different uh-huh. cell so, types that you're describing?
1: Uh, that's a good point. Um, actually, without having a, uh, a disease model, we didn't know where, uh, what to expect or what, what can be important in, in the disease until we, we look. So similar to uh, what we have... Talked about earlier without looking, without having a new handle, we just don't know, right? So going back to your question uh, more directly, so we have looked at how uh, firing of neurons, uh, PV neurons and npas one neurons is altered in the chronic lesion model. So PV neurons don't change in the intrinsic properties at least in the slice. Chronic lesion means dopamine depletion, r-
2: right? right. Or dopamine
1: lesion. So What's we generally mean, call it chronic during lesion. Uh, because we we think it's more than just depletion of dopamine. Then maybe something else can be crucial, right? Maybe for example, like BTNM and stuff like that. So, so things that, that we re- don't know yet.
2: So what it actually is is removal of the dopamine neurons from the brain. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've done. Ex- there's a bunch of different Parkinson's disease right. models, so I just wanted sure. that uh-huh. to be yeah. clear
1: uh, So we've looked at PV neurons; that didn't really change in the slice, at least not the way that we can tell, um, in terms of the somatic properties. Right. So, But when collaborating with uh, Bevan, we know that uh, the terminals in the STN is actually changing plastically, and in the lesion model, they become strengthened, and that's probably through uh, their interaction with the cortical empath. So in terms of the amperous neurons, they have decreased uh, activity in the slides, and I think we have some, uh, we have some hint on uh, why that happens, or what's underlying the decreased activity. Uh, uh, we don't have a ton of data yet, but I think it's through uh, autogen and, and um, tonic gamma level. They they, te- they seem to have a lot of gamma B receptor expression and they're sensing the ambient gamma level. Um, their connection to the stratum is different following uh, 6HD lesion. Uh, that becomes a lot stronger. Uh, we we're trying to finish up a paper uh, learning. Um, why that is the case, or, or the significance of that? So we have previously reported in, in a journal science paper that that um, the Amazon input to both ISPNs and DSPNs is actually strengthened, uh, but we didn't know why that's the case. But now we think that they are actually there to gate the cortical input, right? Like at the top, we talk about um, this increase actually um, um, so impinging on the spinal dendrites. Right. So they have to be doing something in, like, out there. So we, we think they're just constantly gating the cortical input. And we know that the cortical input is increased uh, following chronic lesion. So it's something that we, we think is a uh, excitation-inhibition balance. So the m one neurons are always just gating and maintaining that EI balance.
2: And I thought that, I see the m neurons are getting input only from the D1 cells. Yes, yes. The self, they're going D2 back to the D1 right. and D2 that's cells, right. both. Right. So this is a, a route for the for the direct pathway neurons to control the indirect pathway neurons right. uh-huh. through the globus pallidus, right. as well as themselves. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. that's right. So that's uh, a, you know, it's a, there's always been this discussion of crosstalk in the striatum between the the two groups of neurons, right. and this uh, is this. It's, do you think this is a nice, strong way that they could be communicating with each other? It looks like it's a one-way mm-hmm. communication right. uh-huh. from D1 to D2. That so. is right.
1: So we know D2 talks to D1 directly within the story, you know? but D1 going—it's going through this long way. Like, I don't really know why it, it needs to go through this way. Uh, maybe probably it's, through, uh, it's to have a, a broader... Uh, Impact because the mpas one tend to uh, project maybe in a divergent fashion, right? But it's also possible that some uh, control from, let's say, the dorsal uh, lateral striatum controlling the dorsal striatum through this long loop. Right? It's something that we're trying to explore right now. should probably
2: point out, in case anybody isn't following this exactly, that imbalance between the D1 cell and D2 cell activity is often said to be what's happening in Parkinson's disease, to, see the funda- to be the fundamental primary change. Now that's actually not very well proven, but it has been said so many times it comes to be treated as if it's true, even if it's not. So, uh, so, so uh, the one thing almost everybody believes is that there's an imbalance of activity between D1 and D2 cells in Parkinson's disease. So if this is a way for D1 and D2 cells to affect each other, then um, that change might be really critical. So what do do we think? In Parkinson's disease, uh, remind me, the D2 cells are supposed to be firing more and the D1 cells are supposed to be firing less. Isn't that right?
1: Yes. At least that's kind of what we're seeing in the slides as well. Uh, Of course, there's more to that, right? Uh, like, there's uh, a paper by James sparker from our, from our institution showing that there's uh, more than just uh, activity, but also uh, ensemble or synchrony uh, among them that could be uh, important in, in disease conditions.
2: So that means if the D2... So I'm just sort of trying to walk through this. D2 cells are firing more. D1 cells are firing less. The D1 cells... <laughs> no, no, you yeah, see right? D2 two right? cells
1: firing less. And, well...
2: Okay. Uh, if we complete uh, uh, dopamine, right. we relieve the dopamine inhibition on D2 cells, or whatever it is. Right. It's not really yeah. inhibition, yeah. it's mm-hmm. something else. But that's a complication. Right. <laughs> that's, yeah. But D2 cells should be relieved of whatever negative thing dopamine s- does to their uh-huh. firing. Right. D1 cells are going to have their firing enhanced in some way. And so the D1 yeah. cells are going to f- make the impasse cells fire less. Right. I mean, this is all contrary to the diagram because D one cells never went to glomerular okay, uh before. Right, uh-huh. But now they do, and so uh, D one cells are firing more. They make the impasse cells fire less, and then the impasse cells inhibit the D two cells less. The D two cells fire more. Oh, that's right. It's just going to it's going to increase the, the dichotomy between uh-huh, uh-huh, the yeah. two cell types. Right. Yeah. So and then the impasse projections are getting stronger. Right. So that whole pathway yeah. is getting stronger.
1: Yeah. So it's not something that we published yet, but we also found that the D1 input uh, sprout uh, in the chronic lesion model as well. So it's not just the activity level of the D1 is altered, but also like the, the amount of release is altered. It's stronger.
2: So wouldn't it be remarkable if the, the projection that was deleted from the original diagram, because because they thought it didn't fit, the imbalance between D1 uh-huh, and D2 right, cells, uh-huh, yeah. uh, turns out to be the one that makes the imbalance yeah, yeah, work.
1: Right. So there's actually bad news, right? Uh, bad news? In, in terms of the, it's actually causing the motor symptoms.
0: Uh, oh, oh that would be bad news for yeah. the
1: person that it's happening to. Yeah. Yeah, agreed.
0: <laughs> so explain the, the connection again that was left out of the original. In well, the, the, and, and the original di-
2: diagram, even though the, the actual anatomical data was present from the very beginning that, that stridal direct pathway neurons went to Globus pallidus. this was deleted from the diagrams. It wasn't that the, it wasn't known. It was that it was censored from the diagrams. <laughs> and, the, and the reason, uh, you know, it's easy. The people who made these diagrams are still alive. You can ask them why they did it. And they said it for simplicity. It made the diagram look simpler and easier to understand. it was sparse,
0: right? It It didn't have as
2: many connections from this place to this place. That's not the only connection that was deleted from that diagram. Many connections were deleted from the diagram, all on the basis of they don't play a role in the story I want the diagram to tell. And and that's fine. People do that all the time. Everybody makes a diagram. Imagine these diagrams of the... (laughs) of uh, second messengers and cells it's that like, go the, to it like a X, million... Yes. You can't put everything in there. What stays in the diagram is an artistic statement by the person drawing the diagram. And, uh, and, and the same thing was true with that basal ganglia diagram. The stuff that was in there and the stuff that was deleted was a construction by the author to, in order to, to come up with an explanation for the disease. It's perfectly fine to do that <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying they did anything wrong. I use the word censored. I guess there's a kind of a negativity that goes with that word <laughs> but i i didn't i didn't mean it like it was a conspiracy. It was an artistic statement it was a, it was an artistic construction of a story and and super useful and beneficial. but what I thought was ironic would be if that one of the things that was removed because it didn't fit in the story was actually making the mm-hmm. story work better. Mm-hmm. was actually creating the effect that they wanted. Mm-hmm.
1: But Savio doesn't want to commit a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think someone should update the, uh, the circuit diagram?
2: Well, uh, yeah, people have been updating the circuit diagram in papers over and over for years, and those papers just never get read and never get cited. Right. I, don't, I think the main way to like, mess your yourself up is to start writing that entire circuit, drawing that entire circuit, because everything is going everywhere. That's There's right. like a million wires, and everybody looks at it and goes, I'm not even going to look at that. That's just too complicated. And it doesn't tell a story.
3: Right? It's With just... It? It's, a, it's like the, but some of it's the analog of, uh, of the question of cell types, right? In, the, in a network sense. So if you have a dominant, if it mostly goes that way, and you have a side projection that's less so, well, I'm going to think most about the dominant one because I can't think about everything, yeah. right? And then you're going to break it down, and then you have kind of subtypes, but if they're not really clear, it's like how far do you go in ignoring differences and overlap and stuff like Absolutely. that, right? But so we may have some handle on things when you say, well, if you get driver lines and you can have functional things and you can start to test these things, and we can start to test connections too, not just cell types because we have intersectional techniques and so forth, then you have a, I don't know if it fixes everything, but at least you have a different set of which ones are important. And which ones are Absolutely. ignorable?
2: It makes you, it gets you out of what was the, the neuroanatomist dilemma. The neuroanatomist dilemma was what's big must be important. How do I define big? And there are a bunch of different ways to define big. Like if, th- there, we were talking about this earlier, right. uh, you and I. If there, if there are a bunch of neurons that project in A that project to B, you could call that a big projection. If there are a bunch of synapses in B from neurons in A, you could call that a big projection. But those two don't have to agree with each other. The one that's big in the first case doesn't have to be big in the second. So there were lots of neurons, each one of which made very, very few synapses, then that huge-looking projection might make almost no synapses. Or if there were a small number of neurons that made a lot of synapses, then that tiny little projection that you thought wasn't important at all could turn out to be incredibly important. So to anatomists, it was easy. Like, I count the neurons, I count the synapses. If they don't agree with each other, I don't know what to do. But now we could say, well, we shouldn't really even be counting synapses. We should be counting picoamps of current delivered, right, by the synapse or something like that, and even after you've done that, you might say, that is what's important. What's important is how the overall function of the network is affected by this thing. So uh, if we're developing a method for testing that, then we could find out what's important. What can be censored from the diagram because it doesn't actually affect the behavior of the animal or... That whatever functional thing you're measuring, and what sh- has to be left in, I fear that everything has to be left in, but, but uh, I guess we don't know yet, because we, we can't do that yet, or can we do that now?
1: Is that what you're doing? That is what
2: you're doing. Well,
1: that's kind of the goal. That's not what we can, uh, we can test everything yet, but at least the, the tools are better, right? We have epigenetics and there are new options that we can use, and there are chemogenetics, so and there are ways to um, measure activity of cells, not just with electrical activity, but also you can use uh, GCAM and photosensors. So that's kind of the general trend that everyone's uh, going toward, right? So we've been thinking along that lines
0: here. So how important is this? Is the confirming aspect of this? So so many predictions were made about convergence, a number of boutons, uh, and stuff based on physiological and anatomical studies that can now, like, literally be, like, high-throughput counted in some Uh respects, right? And how much... It seems like that should be really important for modeling studies and for sort of getting into the larger-scale questions about what's happening at the network level. So, but yet, you know, there is there a real appreciation for that kind of just confirmatory work that really does need to be done, right, to to complete these models? I mean, some of it... You know, you read through these tables and these papers, and it's you know, it's a wash, but it's really important stuff, right?
1: Well, I'm not really a modeler, so it's it's kind of a hard question for me to answer. Um, we asked the hard questions.
0: Yeah. It was it was meant to be. It was meant to nod my, you know, tip my hat at the, uh-huh. at the careful uh, work of uh, really bearing out some of these uh-huh. numbers that were presumed really actually carefully.
1: It's kind of similar to what I mentioned earlier. We, we're not trying to confirm anyone that's correct or not correct. We're just trying to, okay. It just happens. These, yeah, these are the new tools. Can we go back in and and, mm-hmm. uh, and ask the question again can we gain some new insights with, with uh, new methods or new tools? And I was just talking to Charlie about uh, how we're mapping things and things are not quite aligned up. what, what most people believe, and, and he actually said that well, certain things actually didn't line up before and didn't just pay, pay attention to it. So, we, we're trying to be rigorous and be careful, and hopefully, we'll uh, update everyone and say, like, well, this is actually the new lo- knowledge. Let's just follow the, the data instead of so just picking one person to believe or like two people to believe. I just follow the data.
2: What an innovative idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but this idea like your 2016 review did so much of that just aligning and you know contextualizing the old and the new and reinforcing what's known and updating sure. uh-huh. it and it's uh, sort of state-of-the-art state of the field with new methods
1: so. so i think that if you needed an, uh, an update right so it makes sense to do something historical and it's a good exercise for, for myself and for uh, the trainees in the lab, too. And I, I enjoyed writing it, and I, I hope everyone enjoyed reading it. And it's been getting a lot of citations, so that makes me happy.
0: What techniques are you most excited about? Oh. Coming online or already here?
1: I don't know. I'm still the most excited about the physiology. Why well, is not like... Good answer. <laughs> and that's the real answer. I, I'm, I'm grumpy and sad that like, everyone's like, moving toward uh, the new, only the new stuff, only care about behavior. No, I, I want the quantitative stuff. I want the mechanism, right? Nothing gets be there other than doing the, the hard stuff, doing the personal recordings. If anything I want to do, maybe... Um, in vivo recording with, with, with the patch letter just like what Carlos is doing, right? I want to maybe add more to what we can do from patch clamping. I want to do patch seed, right? So that's uh, it's aligning with what we want to do in terms of dissecting like cell type, right? But it's all centered around the core technique that we've been using for years. It's a useful technique. Thanks for
0: joining us, Savio. Anyway, thank Good you for having me. Neuroscientist is tucked up